44. 44? That's 44. Yeah. It is in 44. A row. I was waiting for my like uh, show notes to catch up so I could fact check him, but it turns out, yes, it is episode 44. We've been around for a long goddamn time, as it turns out. Over a year. Like, we haven't done it every week, as you can tell, because, you know. Yeah. We're on episode 44, and it's been over a year. And it's been over a year. Last I checked, 52 weeks? I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Same amount of cards in a deck. Yeah, there you go. Clever. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, we've got all kinds of shit for this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about DC. We've got some news in the Flash universe, which is great because it's summer and there's not really anything going on. Um, we have a little bit of Arrow news. Uh, yep, we're still talking about Arrow as much as we don't want to sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Constantine, for you people, both of you that watch Constantine, uh, we've got some other stuff going on with the X-Men and a, t- a possible TV series of some sort. I watched Sons of Anarchy this week, which uh, is a long time coming if you're my wife or Matt, because you've been yeah. telling me to watch it for like, I don't know, the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to talk about that. We're actually going to follow Eddie in his journey through uh the life and times of jackson teller and company yeah so which uh if you're my brother and the one person that listens to this you'll get a kick out of this yeah it's funny the the other day uh so i was watching it last night actually i'm on episode three and they keep saying sam crow and obviously now i know what that is but like i'm like stopping and and ashley's sitting over there and her brother david is sitting over there and who also watches the show and i was like what the fuck sam crow uh, because I, I didn't pick up on it and they both just laughed and I was like, ah, oh, shit. Uh, so, so for those of you following at home that might not know, Eddie's going to explain it to you yeah, right now. Sons of Anarchy Motorcycle Club of Redwood, uh, originals, Redwood originals. Yeah. Redwood originals. Yeah. So uh, of course, you know, like, like the hell's angels, there's chapters of the sons of anarchy and, uh, this was their particular chapter, the, the charming chapter, the Redwood originals They're 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 it like they're where the MC started. Yeah. The, the, the big dogs essentially. Um, anyway, we'll get back to that. Well, probably well, yeah, when we, when we get to the, the actual sons of anarchy, a section um so oh, you know what one other thing we're going to talk about too that i didn't put in the show notes because i suck at this thing um batman versus superman ultimate cut came out this week yeah we've seen a good portion of it it's a long fucking movie between though. the two of us we've almost seen the whole thing yeah uh three hours of original cut uh, or ultimate cut so we're going to talk about that a little bit hopefully it'll take us less time than the movie did but i don't know yeah. we've talked about it a few times already so by ultimate cut standards it should take about four days now yeah um word of warning um we made beer a couple weeks ago a few weeks ago this week we bottled it um it's thursday work fellas so on top of the fact that we've been drinking as we've been bottling the beer we also have less to talk about this week than we normally do so chances are really good we're gonna fly off on a tangent and spend a really long time like falling down rabbit holes and whatnot so i suspect that's the case yes yeah it's gonna be the best show ever though Stick probably yeah. every show is the best show ever Come on. i always i always actually say you know when we when we go in with like four items on the show notes i'm always like well this show's gonna suck and it actually usually tends to be my favorite shows that we do so yeah we should to be, be okay. fair we did the wolfman episode we only had one thing in our show notes yeah and i'd say that's that one was of our pinnacles to marv wolfman and it yeah. was a great show yeah and i didn't say fuck one time not I'm, once. I'm still proud of you. I am. <laughs> I am. All right. So let's talk DC this week. We have some news in the Flash uh, TV show universe. All right. So this is the deal I'm going to make with you. 
you put this in the show notes using the fucking tagline that I was going to use, so I get to say it, all right? All right, go for it. But if you have to do your best Hagrid. You're a wizard, Barry. He's right. And the reason we're saying that is because Tom Felton, you knew him as Draco Malfoy from the Harry Potter series, is joining The Flash Season 3. Um, not probably permanently, but at least uh, he's going to have a, a, a role this season. He He is recurring. Um, so, uh, I, I would say not permanently like we, you know, like Patty probably, but, um, he's going to be in there for more than one show. Maybe he's the flashpoint Patty. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's blonde. Does does he have that ass though? Cause yeah. Yeah. Where's Patty's bit when you need her? God damn. That girl, that girl was good looking. Yeah. She, she was pretty. Yeah. I'm just saying you could do worse, Barry. I like Patty. Yeah. Iris is, you know, she's hot too. You know, actually. Okay. So we, we, we can stop being perps for a second. Um, can we? It, well, maybe we'll see. Um, Patty and Barry had such good chemistry, though. They like, really did. In fairness, like as much as I don't mind the whole Iris thing, and it doesn't feel nearly as forced as the Felicity um, Oliver thing. Um, and by that, I'm you know like an order of magnitude and difference. Uh, the chemistry between Barry and Patty was like way better. So this is how I'm going to compare this, and this is going to seem weird, but like my wife, um is a total nerd like she reads comic books on her own like i don't have to do that and so because of that i have a really good rapport with my wife and whatnot um which is kind of like the rapport that barry and and patty had barry and iris have the the rapport where she's just like uh comic books are pretty nerdy but i'll read them because i like you yeah it she does strike me as like a you know like not really into the same things barry's in like i'm not like you know, we kind of know how this turns out already. You know, like, even in the show universe, we've seen, like, they get married at some point and blah, blah, blah. And it does seem like they're setting this up. Like, they're not going to drag this on forever. I, I do think they're going to get together, if not by the end of season three, for sure somewhere in season four. Yeah. And honestly, writers, if you're listening, do not drag that shit out for the next five seasons. No. Just stab yourselves in the dick if that's what you're planning, because we've already seen that with Ross and Rachel. And it got old then. Here's the thing. Smallville. Smallville, we had Clark and Lana for, what, five seasons? Yep. And, like, we all knew he was going to end up with Lois anyway. And when you introduce Lois in the fourth season, yeah. and he's still pining after Lana all through season four and five, I'm just like, come on, guys. Yeah, we don't need this. Yeah. Um, especially because, you know, like, at least in Smallville, I was like, well, Lois doesn't really belong here yet, but okay, fine. Go ahead. Although... She did. Re- I really did like Erica Durant, and she was pretty good in the show. So whatever. Erica Durant was hot, dude. I know she's she was hot, but I mean, they made Lois in Smallville make sense, which you know, at least as well as you could with that premise. Yeah, I was I, I wasn't a fan of the Lana character at all, except for I really dug the episode where she like got his powers, and yeah. they banged like rabbits through like most of the episode. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, that cracked me up a lot. That it was very funny. Yes. But anyway. We can we can review Smallville another time. Yeah, that's just 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 throwing this out there. Um, so we were talking about Tom Felton. <laughs> yeah. So Tom Felton, uh, you know, Draco is going to be in the show, and um, I don't know that we know much more. He, I, I think he's cast as Jul- Julian Dorn. Yeah, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is either. In fact, this is what I was hoping about doing the show is that you would say, you don't know who Julian Dorn is. What an idiot! But if you don't know who it is, then it's I'm guessing it's not a major character. Or it's a major character that took place when I wasn't reading Flash comics. Yeah, th- that's fair. That could be. Um, I mean, we did just delete Wally from the timeline for the last, like, ten years or something. So. Right. So, here's the thing. Uh, Tom Felton 
if you've only seen him in Harry Potter, you're doing yourself a disservice. He's done a couple other roles. In particular, he was in, um, what's that Apes movie? The first one. Of Rise. The, of the remix. Rise, Rise of the Planet, of, Planet of, the of the Apes. He was in that, and he was a dick in it, but not the same kind of dick that Draco Malfoy was. So watch that movie, because he was super good in it. Um, that also had um, another character in it who uh, was from Stargate Atlantis, and... Uh, gonna have to IMDb it real quick because I don't remember his fucking name. From Atlantis, yeah, Hewlett, yeah, David Hewlett, yeah, he I was like he was good in it too. Although his role was significantly smaller than it should have been, considering how good he actually is in Atlantis. It, just in general, Hewlett's an awesome guy. Like Dude. I follow him on Twitter, and he's funny. Is he? Yeah, I, I don't follow him on Twitter, but he, he's not, he's like a real. He seems like a real dude, basically. Like, uh, uh, he's definitely a little famous. He's not like uber famous, but like following him on he's Twitter, he's Canadian like, famous for sure. He, yeah, for sure. But it's not like following like say like uh, Beyonce. Like it's not just you know all crafted. You know, you, you follow her too. I mean, just, just for comparison purposes, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, she does have that ass. Yeah, all the single ladies comes on, and I'm like, well, I'm there with you, and you know, spirit, and and. Kanye really seems to dig her for whatever reason, which, you know. <laughs> That's got to get awkward. Like, you know, it, don't you think Jay-Z is just, like, sitting there and, like, fucking with this shit again? So you know, here's, like, here's the thing. I despise everything Kardashian, right? Yeah, for sure. The Me one too. thing you can't deny, though, is that Kim is one of the hottest chicks on the fucking planet. She's, she, you know, I you, wouldn't. No, you I, can't deny it. I and, Okay, first off, I'm not going to deny it. She's super hot. I don't know. One of the hottest chicks on the planet? Maybe. Dude, she she's hot. I mean, for sure. I mean, that's all I'm saying. Like, if you're Kanye, she's exactly what I picture a rap girlfriend's, uh, uh, you know, like a rap star's girlfriend to look like. Cause cause baby got back. No, not just that. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. Are we being racist? No, just me. No, uh, I mean it's just the beginning of that Mix a Lot song. Yeah, okay. She looks like one of those rap girls, rap guys' girlfriends. <laughs> like that's that's it. You just you you fucking paraphrased it like right there. Like yeah, um, man, this show's gonna be great. I can just see. <laughs> so no, here's the deal though. Like if you're if you're Kim Kim K, let's just let's let's call her Kim K. I mean, we are on a first name basis. And your husband is advocating for Beyonce, like every award show for everything ever in life. Like you're just like. You kind of feel like he got second place, I think. Yeah, and I'm just throwing this out there. Like, Kim is hotter than Beyonce, I think. That's going to be a rough one. No, it's not. And I'll tell you why. Look up pictures of her when she was pregnant, because she was still hot when she was pregnant. Kim? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And that kind of... That defines things sometimes because you know chicks aren't always at their best when they're when they're pregnant <laughs> I, I can we're going on some kind Hormones of list. And shit Hormones. we're just you know we're going I mean? on some kind of list right now like right now some there, there's like a feminist somewhere that's just like oh god i love women i'm not i'm not being anti-feminist i'm just saying she's hot yeah like uh, this that, is this is the problem with feminism and and I am a feminist. <laughs> Holy shit! We just need to stop right now. No, no. This is the thing. I I am a feminist, but like the the problem with like hardcore feminism is like a guy isn't allowed to think that a girl is attractive in any way, shape, or form. Women are attractive, at least some of them. <laughs> like that's 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 the thing. Like, okay, cool. I'm I'm fine. Women can be equal. Women can be all things. 
I'm okay with it. But it doesn't mean that I can't think that she's attractive because she's also talented in other ways. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying. And you yeah. know I'm right. Like, I'm not being a dick. I'm not being a fucking pig. Like, it just is what it is. All right, let's get back on track. Uh, Draco <laughs> Malfoy is going to be in... Uh... <laughs> Are we still on this? Yeah. Sort of. Fucking Harry Potter. I mean, we did warn everybody this was going to be a train wreck at the beginning, didn't we? Yeah. Okay. Mostly. Just making sure. Um, so, yeah, we don't know anything about what his character or what he's going to be playing, but that's big news because that's interesting, at least. Like, this is a character that I think we are an actor that we probably very much typecast in our own heads. Yeah. So, when I heard that... That was my whole point. My whole spiel was, like, yeah, watch Tom, him and other shit. Tom Felton is going to be playing somebody that's not Draco Malfoy is like, oh, okay. I didn't know that was a thing, but sure. Let's do that. Yeah. How did we go from Tom Felton to David Hewlett to... Kim Kardashian and Beyonce. I don't know, but I suspect if we both took ADHD tests, it would be off the charts. We're going to have to listen to this episode maybe once at least. I mean... I guess you edited it, so whatever. But. Yeah. I'm going to have to listen to it at least once at least. <laughs> um, Moving on to the Arrow universe, we Arrow, have a little yeah. bit of news. Uh, if you guys don't follow the WWE at all, um, then you probably don't know that Stephen Amell... As in, not Oliver Queen, but Stephen Amell uh, got to be involved in the uh, WWE recently, like in the last year, I think. He was at SummerSlam last year, and I, he actually was in a match at SummerSlam last year, and then he was also at WrestleMania, I think, this this year. Yeah, and he did pretty well. Like, uh, um, all things considered, he did pretty well. Um, he was a little bit n- nervous, I think. Like, he couldn't improv as well as some of the other guys. Well, and <laughs> you put him in... <laughs> Excuse me. He's in good shape. Oh yeah, for sure. But you throw him in there in a in a ring with guys who are basically, as you put it earlier, like a modern day Adonis. Like they're they're Yeah, I mean these guys are like two hundred and seventy five pounds and like six percent body fat. Well like, muscled, uh, yeah, you know, everything. Just fucking gigantic. They're gigantic. Like Stephen Amell looks in like he's in really good shape for a relatively normal dude. Um, uh, these guys are not relatively normal look at dudes. The, look at the latter scene from like the first episode of Arrow, and you're like, dude, that guy's way fucking cut. That guy is a, yeah. is a specimen. And then you throw him next to... Like Triple H or something. And, and then you're like, like nope, eh, never mind. Whatever. He's all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's not true. I mean, they both have, you know, very good... Qu- like, it's like Brad Pitt and Fight Club next to Triple H would look, you know, starkly different, but also amazing in its own way. He kind of is the difference between Brad Pitt and Edward Norton, though. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, so... The the point being, um, he was in uh, WWE and he had this feud with, uh, help me with the name, Stardust? Stardust, yeah. Yeah, Stardust. Stardust, uh, also known as Cody Rhodes. Right. Uh, so Cody Rhodes actually and uh, Amel had this feud and it you know, crossed over onto you know, social media and Twitter and all that kind of good stuff because that's what things do these days. Un- unfortunately for Cody Rhodes, like that was kind of the maximum height of his exposure over the last couple of years. And this is, Eddie doesn't know this either, but as of um, middle of the month last month, Cody Rhodes actually asked for his release from WWE and was granted his release. So he's a free spirit these days. So the fact that he's actually signed a very gentle way to put that (laughs) to be, to be air, to be an arrow. um, He's doing that on his own. This isn't, this isn't like WWE and Vince McMahon using their influence to get one of their superstars into a show like this is this is a relationship that developed between Cody Rhodes and Stephen Amell 
Yeah. And I was just going to say, I, I kind of think this is networking a little yeah. bit because I, I do get the feeling that Stephen Amell and Cody Rhodes had, you know, a pretty good relationship they outside did, of obviously. the, uh, you know, obviously it's a work. I mean, they, they, they were fighting on screen, but it, it seems to me like they both got along really well. And so I think that this is probably, you know, pretty much proof positive of that, that uh, Cody Rhodes is going to be doing Arrow sometime in season five. This is kind of the WWE's version of LinkedIn. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and, you know, honestly... <clears throat> Even if he comes in and actually just plays Stardust and continues the actual, you know, Stephen Amell versus Stardust feud in season five, it's probably going to be a, a, you know, a, a positive for Arrow as a TV show. The thing about Cody Rhodes is he did that role as Stardust so well that the idea that he's going to come in and maybe be like a villain or something in a comic book related TV show mm-hmm. is not unheard of to me. Like I, th- I think you could go on screen and and totally play it up. Yeah, I'm actually interested in into in like what kind of role he's gonna have. Um, if he's gonna be like a villain or if he's gonna be, you know, I don't know. He could be uh, buddies. It, in fact, it would be kind of a you know nice little nod to the fans if uh, all of a sudden they were friends or something like that. Yeah, that would be kind of cool too. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, Arrow, and then finishing up. No, not finishing up. We have another big piece of DC we're going to talk. But first, uh, TV, talk- DC TV though. DC TV, uh, and specifically CW TV. We've got another. That's, that's that is DC TV these days. Come on, guys. Uh, yeah, it honestly is. Um, they they tried their hand with CBS. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think. Do we have any good animated properties on right now? I don't think. Not on do. TV. Yeah. No. Um, and by the way, speaking of DC TV, CW, um, we will throw in the show notes. We have a a graphic that uh, has a, a a layout of uh, October season premieres for all the shows on CW this season. Yep. So we'll throw that up in the show notes. We, we're we're one card away from a full house, and that actually leads me to my next piece of news: Constantine. Uh, a lot of fans of Constantine probably just got their hopes up a lot when I said that, but it's a little bit underwhelming considered. Uh, Constantine is going to be a guest on Legends. Step in the right direction, though. It is. I, I mean, I honestly think we're kind of priming the pump, and at some point we might get a Constantine CW. Why not? Uh, you know, it didn't perform well enough for NBC. Vampire Diaries can't be on forever, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's a Friday night show. And, you know, like, do I think Constantine could pull out pull in decent Friday night numbers? Yeah, probably. Why not? Friday, actually, Friday night's kind of a, not a great slot. Cause it's, no, Friday night's a shit slot. But uh, if you're, you know, the leader of the shit slot, like, Constantine doesn't have to be the next, you know, say, like, Breaking Bad or something like that to uh, uh, kill it on Friday night and be worth the CW making. And, and let's be fair, people. Like, there are shows that have been extremely successful that have been in really fucking shit time slots. The X-Files used to be on Sunday nights, for Christ's sakes. It still was, actually, that when we watched the first part of season 10. Yeah, Sunday it, night it premiere. premiered on a fucking Sunday, yeah. So, um, and you I, could be a good show and, and be successful no matter what slot you're in. Like it, That's the thing. Is I, it, TV execs kind of don't get it. If you put out a good product, people will watch it. It doesn't See, necessarily matter what night it's on. It mattered a lot more, say, 10 years ago, it but did. it does not Pre-DVR at all Pre-DVR especially. Like, we got DVRs now. We've got the internet. Half of the people are watching this via some streaming service anyway. Like, 
it can totally be fine. Like it could totally be even like a boon for CBS or not CBS, but CW, um, you know, even having it on front end. And first off, we're making a big piece, a big pile of assumptions here. Uh, there's no reason it has to go on Friday night other than it would look nice for us. DC nerds that want a full, you know, yeah, Monday through Friday schedule. We got Supergirl on Monday. We got the flash on Tuesday. We got air on Wednesday. We got legends on Thursday. Why not put Constantine on Friday? Yeah. I'm just saying that's, full house. That's all I'm saying. But case in point to what Eddie's saying, we're recording this podcast on a Saturday night. Most of you are out dancing and getting laid right now. Yep. Not us. We're recording a podcast. Yeah, because... But you can listen to us... We do it for you, the on fans. ...on Sunday or Monday. Actually, you can't listen to us on Sunday because Eddie won't get the show posted until at least Wednesday. But anyway... You can listen to an old episode on you Sunday can. if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, you can put it on whatever night you want. Um... The point being is, uh, CW, you can clearly see that there's an audience for this kind of shit. Maybe give it a shot. And, and you know, the other thing, too, is uh, if if everybody's accepting the fact that Constantine is dead as a, its own star, you know, like its own title, um, I don't think it's unheard of to have um, Constantine be a regular character on one of the other shows. Or all of them. Or all of them. Uh, the we, nice thing about a shared universe is it's a fucking shared universe. Like, he can show up whenever yeah especially given the nature of his powers and whatnot secondarily it's not like we've tapped out the dc universe there's a lot of other characters that you could put on a friday night if you wanted to just saying yeah um fuck i'd watch a hawk and dove show if it was on on friday nights (laughs) i'm sure i would too like we're both old people now so we're probably not doing anything on the average friday night support the old people cw give me a show about lex luther that could be fun, actually. You know what I mean? Like that—that'd be hard to do, though. It—it kind of faced like the same problems that Supergirl faces, like, but to the tenth power, which is how do you have Supergirl without Superman? And in the case of Supergirl, as we talked about in previous shows, it turns out you don't. You put Superman there eventually. Eventually, yeah. Um, I actually speaking of that, I—I I was reading an article about Supergirl the other day that talked about Superman coming in, and that—that's actually like a um, a show of faith that CW is giving to the show because like, or that DC is giving to the show because yeah. they're giving it like their biggest property ever to like actually be on screen in a, in a TV show. Yep. Um, I'd argue that Batman is probably at this point in time, the biggest property for DC right commercially, now. Commercially. Yes. <clears throat> Historically. But, no, but commercially. Yes, y- Yes, exactly. Commercially, commercially, but uh, even still like s- second place to Batman is still fucking amazing. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, the, the, that they're putting Superman in the Supergirl universe at all, and especially on the CW, I think is a pretty big deal. I, I know Smallville was on the CW, and it, it seems weird, but it seems weird to me to think that like Superman's just not fit for TV. We almost we, we honestly only got Superman in one episode of Smallville though, and it took ten years to get it. That's that's fair. So. And, like even Lois and Clark though, like Lois and Clark was all about Superman on TV, yeah. and then of course there's been previous TV series prior to that, but it just seems weird. Like it just seems like they're too big for TV now. Like Superman's too cool to do TV. Like th- in the same way that like we're never in the foreseeable future going to get actual Batman on TV. Yeah, that's too bad too. Speaking of Smallville, keep that in the back of your mind because I'm going to give you a reading recommendation at the end of the show uh, that's going to be directly related to that. So yeah, you know what's sad. 
we should get Batman or something like that on TV. Like, if anything, Game of Thrones has proven that if you can write some shit that's really cool, uh, you can find an audience for. Uh, and th- this is not in the show notes at all, but I just wanted to highlight something. Game of Thrones episode nine is rumored to cost in the neighborhood of uh, ten to twenty million dollars. Season one, episode nine. No, no, no. Uh, episode nine. Uh, this would be season six. six. So, Battle of the Bastards. Um, For you Game of Thrones watchers that have watched it, you've seen it, you know what it's about. And for those of you who haven't, haven't, I'm not going to spoil it, but that is an insane amount of money for a TV show. And I think one of the big reasons that they don't do Batman or Superman on TV is because uh, they're afraid that they're not going to be able to meet the budget and so on and so forth. But the thing is, is that there's so many people that would watch one of those shows. You could do the budget like you could make that work like you just need to find the right network to sell it on. Yeah, I hate to be the realist in this, though, but like the difference is that HBO is HBO makes money anyway because it's it's a paid service. Um, the CW is is network TV, so like if you don't have a cable package or whatever, you can still so pull that in off go the airwaves. Pitch it, go pitch it to Netflix or go pitch no, it to... I, uh, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. <clears throat> Kevin Smith is doing the same thing with Mallrats. I don't know if I, we talked about this yet, but Mallrats 2 is not going to be a movie. Mallrats 2 is going to be a 10-episode TV series now. Oh, interesting. And he's not pitching it to network TV, obviously, because you can't have a Mallrats show where they can't say fuck. So he's going to be shopping it uh, to paid services, probably, more than likely, or Netflix or... You Something know. like that, yeah. I mean, obviously, Netflix, Amazon Netflix Prime is a paid service, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's a market. There's a market there for whatever. I mean, it's 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 possible. It's just um, having a Batman show is not something that we're going to get on Fox or on oh, CW exactly. or anything like that. Like I think I think that maybe At the DC right needs now. to catch up to like modern day, um, because I think that's what they're thinking. Like we can't we can't make a show that's compatible with broadcast television, and you know. They're probably right. The thing is, though, is they're that, actually wrong entirely. I mean, they could. Well, here's the thing. DC is doing terribly theatrically right now. Like, it is what it is. I'm not I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but I'm also not going to sugarcoat things like BVS was not what they were. They didn't get the numbers they were looking for when that movie came out. Their television properties, on the other hand, are fucking killing. Like, Legends of Tomorrow actually came out and beat The Flash the first few weeks it was out. The Flash is consistently one of their top shows on the CW, beating Arrow, which had been around for two years already when it came out. I mean, DC, whatever, and Warner Brothers, whatever people are are running things at the television side of things are doing a much better job than, let's say, Zack Snyder. Even, you know, like, even taking relatively small heroes like uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones on Netflix, like, those shows, I'm sure, are making a killing for Netflix. Like, there's a reason why we've still got more coming down the pipe, you know, with uh, Iron Fist and uh, the the uh, oh, Luke, Luke Cage. Luke Cage series and Defenders. At some point, Defenders. The reason, I hear tell we may get Blade. Yeah. The reason being... Because people want that shit. Like, people will pay good money to see that shit. And, you know, like, Netflix especially, like, they're bankrolling a lot of this because that'll sell subscriptions. But don't you think that if it were on HBO for 15 bucks a month or whatever, you'd still totally pay it? Like, you only get you get Netflix for $9. But don't you think if DC came out with an amazing property like that, they would get, you know, $15 a month? Maybe Probably. 20 yeah, I'd pay twenty if there was all of a sudden a, a quality Batman TV show on the on the you know level of say Daredevil or um, Game of Thrones or something like that. 
would I pay twenty dollars a month to pay for whatever network that was on? This is the thing that's fucked up about that though. CW could do a Batman show, and they could do it for the same budget that they do Legends. I mean, it, it requires far less special effects than but than Legends that's, does because that's he doesn't exact, have fucking superpowers. That's exactly what I'm saying too. Like there there are some elements of Batman that would are certainly served better by a bigger budget, but no, the vast majority of it is not budgetary and honestly like, you do just, couldn't you do the long halloween don't you think you could do the long halloween without ever touching a massive budget dude my batman series to me all i really give a fuck about is i want to see the interactions between batman and alfred when he's in the Batcave every episode all that shit like the, everything like that like you could do tons of time as him being you know just bruce uh yeah. bruce out in you know meetings and blah 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 like uh just fuck man just like take DC? gotham and actually just put batman in it you know what i mean like that's well take a little bit better of a show than gotham no it doesn't have to be a better show because putting batman in it is going to make it the better show you know what i mean like you do the same kind yeah. of cerebral stuff that gotham is trying to do only you actually use bruce wayne as an adult and batman to do it and you have the alfred you could even take the same alfred that you have in gotham right now because he's fucking badass oh I, I i really do like gotham's alfred yeah yeah and and just throw a young adult Bruce Wayne in it as he's becoming Batman and and do that story because you could do that for two seasons before he actually becomes full on like legit Batman. Bats, yeah. So anyway, it's a little bit of a sidetrack. Doesn't doesn't that feel fun? Like any you know, like there's so much Batman story that they could go back to. Yeah, just do that, please. Yeah, and and Batman is Batman is so many things. That's that's the thing that. <coughs> um. Fanboys get really offended anytime there's a new Batman on screen. Um, Affleck got a little bit of shit. Not as much as I thought he was going to get, but he got a little bit of shit because this Batman has used guns. Or sort kills. Of, sort or of. doesn't doesn't stop he people kills from dying. for sure. He definitely kills. You know what I mean? Like, and like, that's kind of not... kills or... It's like that one... Uh, have you seen that YouTube video? I can't remember. Maybe the College Humor guys did it. But, like, uh, it shows, you know, this Batman... Uh, going through and basically wrecking a bunch of dudes and you know like neck snapping and like everybody stops and like dude what did you do and this batman's like what they 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 were bad guys and i i made them go to sleep and he's like uh no that's not what you no that's what i did i made him go to sleep like he just thinks he's you know putting them to sleep like if this is affleck's batman that makes perfect sense well a lot of people give a lot of give give shit to batman or whoever plays Batman for these reasons. But, like, Batman is a lot of things to a lot of different people. And Batman might not even mean the same thing to Eddie as he means to me as we sit across the table from one another. Um, so, yeah. I mean, there are fundamentals to Batman, yes. And does Batman kill? Not now. But back when Batman first started as a comic book, he carried a gun. See, the thing for me is that um, all these characters are malleable. Um the the whole you know like most of our accepted uh mythos of batman or superman are basically just writers adding shit to the original character yeah. you know like the whole mythos with uh batman you know his parents dying and all that kind of stuff and it wasn't original to the character the whole krypton thing with superman that was added actually relatively late um considering how long superman ran previously the- there's all that kind of stuff that just keeps getting added and makes the character more the only thing that I take exception to is kind of the treatment of 
Superman in the Man of Steel movie by Zack Snyder, and that's in terms of, of color saturation. And you can say that this is just me picking on Zack Snyder for his choice of colors, but to me, Superman, like the one thing that's been consistent no matter what incarnation of Superman that you're looking at, Superman is the bright, shining beacon of the entire DC universe. Like See, He is the bright spot, the focal point, end-all, be-all of superheroes. All right, with that, so let's talk, start talking about Batman versus Superman, because I think we're going to have this discussion a little bit with that anyway, and I want to you know go cleanly right into that. So when we're talking about Batman versus Superman and Superman's characterization just in general, even going back to Man of Steel, color is not the only problem. Like One of the big problems with Superman, to me, in the Snyder universe so far is that He's way too mopey, broody, emo, emo, unsure of himself, unsure of the ideal. And that's just not what I picture with Superman. And I think I'm going to say the same thing that I said with Man of Steel, which is that if they do something with that in the next movie and they move him to the Superman that I like, if they use this as a stepping stone to get to the Superman that I like, then I'll be fine with it. Here's Uh, the thing. I would argue that BVS was a step in that direction because the Clark that we saw in BVS was not as unsure of himself. He was, he was actually so sure of himself that he said, basically, I don't give a fuck what the situation is. If you're in danger, Lois, I'm going to come save you. Like, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I do. Yeah. Like the bigger part being that like, uh, you know, Marvel's done a pretty impeccable job of making Steve Rogers sort of the moral center for the Marvel universe. And actually they muddled that a bit with civil war, but we're not talking about civil war right now, but, uh, that's Superman to me. Like Superman in the DC universe is he's brute strength for sure. Like he's definitely their, their big weapon. Um, but more so than that, he is their moral center. Uh, and so this movie didn't do a great job, I think, of turning him into that. But there was a lot of things that I said that I didn't like about Man of Steel or that I had, you know, maybe some reservations about with Man of Steel that if they just addressed in Batman versus Superman, I'd be okay with. Like the leveling of Metropolis. And then, oh, as it turns out, that's a big focus in Batman versus Superman and a big progression of the plot. So Which what I'm. Was a piece of, of filmmaking that I thought was actually done super correctly like a lot of people were so down on man of steel because they're like they fucked up so much but there was no explanation for it well it's because you didn't give them time to explain it honestly um so as we're talking about the ultimate cut like i didn't get you know i I think i got probably 45 minutes into the ultimate cut before i found something that pissed me off and none of that first part was any of that no um so they, on that note, they, they did that really well. Like, I think they're doing a decent job of progressing the universe and, you know, having their films sort of mean something together. Uh, they're, you know, the, the, the problem that that Man of Steel and both uh, Batman versus Superman has is that the story elements aren't exactly great. Cohesive. cohesive. Um, some of the story elements, just when you stop and think of them, don't really make a whole lot of sense or they make a lot of sense, you know, like if you're writing it, but that doesn't necessarily make a sense, a sense in real life. Like the, you know, the penultimate, like your name is Martha or your mom's name was Martha. Why'd you say that name? Yeah. Why'd you say that name? Like I get what they're trying to do with that scene, but it still feels clumsy to me. And that here's the thing. It's not even that that scene is what feels clumsy to me. It's the following scene. It's like, Oh, now we're best buds. Yeah, I, I try and take things with a grain of salt, and because of Man of Steel, and because of the amount of shit they got with that, uh, with the destruction and everything, and then because they explained it so well in BVS, I kind of get the, like, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that whole Martha thing, 
but I don't think I'm going to be redeemed on that. There's a lot of things that I do think will be explained more in Justice League and whatnot. Um, but that's not one of them. That's not one of those things that's going to make things okay. By See, how they what's tell disappointing the story in the next to movie. me is that um, I don't think we quite get the Superman that I want in Batman versus Superman, and we've already talked about this on the show. But uh, Justice League is rumored to have you know relatively less uh, screen time for Superman. And I think really what's going to happen is likely we won't get him until the second, at best, the second act, but more likely the third act of Justice League. My, my suspicion, he's still, quote unquote, dead through the majority of the movie. For sure. So uh, I don't think we're going to see the Superman that I really want to see. I don't think we're going to get to see the moral center Superman until at least the the fourth installment, the fourth film outing Justice of League two. Justice League or of, of Superman, rather. And that's a little disappointing. Um, here's here's my my big problem with the ultimate cut. Jenna Malone. <laughs> I'm sorry, so Jenna. the the first The first rumor was that she was going to be the Carrie Kelly Robin, which would have been really cool because that would have fit. The second rumor, and the one that was like, "This is not rumor. This is this is how things would have been," was that she was going to be Batgirl slash Barbara Gordon. Yep. What we got was some fucking nerd in a lab. Yeah, I was going to say, she's like basically a lab tech. Yeah. Who was just like, nope, that bullet's not anything that we make for anything. Yep. And And as it turns out, the theatrical cut was probably just fine cutting her. (coughs) Yeah, we we got that explanation anyway from Lois when she went to General What's-His-Nuts. I don't remember either. In the ultimate cut, this is my biggest complaint. We added that scene back in, but we did not extend the scene of Lois in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely winning some awards for feminism and equality and so on. Just saying. I think I think an extended Lois in the bathtub scene would have probably done more for the movie than adding back in Jenna Malone's part. I'm not arguing. I, I hope not, because... <laughs> So, um, yeah, we're not going to do a shot by shot for Batman versus Superman. Uh, Matt hasn't seen it all. I, this, is, I, this is my confession. I fell asleep halfway through the first night I tried to watch it and I didn't finish it the next day. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, Batman versus Superman ultimate cut does do a little bit more like it manages to explain some of the things that didn't make quite a whole lot of sense in, um, the theatrical cut. As I understand it, there's a scene between Lex and a, and a, um, relative of the villain of the next movie that um, was in the extended cut, but I didn't make it that far. So, yeah, sort of. Yeah. Um, but here, the thing is, is that um, for all they expand on, you know, good ideas in the movie, it still doesn't come together to be a coherent, you know, movie that has a, a solid plot behind it. There's still a lot of contrivances in the plot of um, Batman versus Superman, whether you watch the theatrical cut or the ultimate cut. Um, so if you liked Batman versus Superman theatrical, you're going to probably love Ultimate Cut. Um, the for- the unfortunate part is there's not a lot of whole a whole lot of people that liked it. Um, I, Matt and I both liked it okay. Um, on rewatch, I will say that if I'm going to watch this movie ever again, it's going to be the Ultimate Cut. That's definitely the better version of the movie. But I'm also going to say that it it still is disappointing. Like there's still so much that is wrong with the movie and that could be improved. 
Here's, um, here's the thing for me, and I've said this from the beginning, when including after we watched it in theaters. Um, there's a part of me that's still 15 years old that really enjoyed seeing uh, Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns to some extent in a live action movie. Um, there's a 16 year old me that really enjoyed seeing the doomsday death of Superman storyline played out to some extent in live action. Uh, so this is always going to be a movie that I, I'm never going to say that I hated the movie because I, I didn't hate the movie based on those two aspects alone. I didn't hate the movie. Um, throw it on top of the, um, Affleck playing one of the better Bruce Wayne's I, and, and I'm not better the best Bruce Wayne that we've ever seen on on film. I'm nodding my head in agreement. Um so there's some salt and pepper on top of the on top of the meat and potatoes that I just talked about. Um so I'm, I don't hate the movie. Does it have flaws? Fuck. Of course it does. It it has a lot of flaws to it. Um am I ever going to be fully on board with Ezra Miller as the Flash? I don't know. I'm not as of right now, and it'll take Justice League and possibly a Flash movie before I actually can decide. Um, do I think DC is making the wrong decision by keeping their cinematic universe and their television universe separate? Yeah. You know, I want to give more of a dig on DC to that, but honestly, as much as Marvel says it's putting the universes together, it's mostly lip service. That's only because Feige got promoted and all of a sudden TV doesn't matter to him anymore. And that's kind of too bad because he was really, really good at keeping things yeah. on the same level. I'm just, I'm just happy at least that like Agents and uh, um, Agents acknowledges and is somewhat shaped by what happens in the movie universe. Like I expect Civil War to have repercussions on the Agents show. But um, Daredevil, that's, that's Daredevil about and Jessica is- Jones... Give lip service at best, like at best, well, to the movie universe. Here's the thing: those two series in particular, like I kind of accept that from them because, honestly, what goes on in Hell's Kitchen is probably not going to be on the radar too much of of the Avengers uh, or anything else. And those aren't popcorn movie characters worlds. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, Daredevil. I don't. I don't know enough about Jessica Jones to say Daredevil could be. Like Daredevil could be like in that universe, but he's not traditionally. I don't he think he can show up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, here's what I would love. I would love for one of the characters that got arrested in Civil War to fucking hire Matt Murdock as <laughs> yeah. their as their attorney. That's that's how he gets brought into a lot of shit in the comic books. Like they they hire him. Yeah. Um. The other one that they hire is is fucking She Hulk because she's an attorney as well. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you've got these two characters that are attorneys. And uh, She-Hulk is kind of always She-Hulk because she's fucking green and whatnot. Um, <laughs> Matt Murdock, though, is a lawyer. And people he's don't know a, he's Daredevil. He's, he's a dude. Yeah. yeah. And so you, you could hire him. Uh, Peter Parker could hire him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. any, any number of characters could be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a little bit of legal trouble here. Um, but I'm a good guy. And if you say you're a good guy and Murdock believes you, he'll take your case. Yeah. So... You you could bring him into to the main universe in any number of ways. See, but I I think like in a world where like Black Widow and uh, and Hawkeye can be the in the Avengers, like Daredevil could be too. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I'm just saying, 
you you can combine those things a little bit better so like i don't think it's it's you know like i'll dig on dc for a, a little bit for not uh integrating i mean they're obviously not integrating their tv universe at all like we have two separate instances of the flash at the same time um but marvel you could be doing a better job of that too my biggest criticism to dc when it comes to that kind of thing is their tv properties are hands heads and tails doing better than their movies are Oh yeah, like if so you had to ask me right now, do, do I get the Flash or do I get the Flash TV show or do I get Batman versus Superman? The Flash, no question. Heads and tails, and Batman again, like we talked about, probably their number one property commercially. Yeah, but guess and, what? And I loved, I loved Affleck's Batman, but this this did not progress the universe in nearly the way that, like, say, the Flash did, and that's really kind of sad because as much as I love the Flash, it's not really when you think about it like amazingly groundbreaking or anything like that they're they're using they are cleverly using and this is a big part they are cleverly using a lot of existing flash storylines uh but it's not like you know really changing the game and classic tv tropes that have been there for years but they're just doing it in a smart way yeah and and some of those tropes they're twisting a little bit and you know just basically improving on so anyway batman versus superman um Watch it. Like, here's the thing. I'm not going to tell anybody not to watch it. Yeah, and if you're a huge comic nerd like we are, you're probably going to watch it, and you'll at least kind of enjoy it. Um, or, or you'll be one of those uber comic nerds who's like, oh, he didn't wear the purple suit or the purple gloves, so this is not my Batman. Yeah, don't be that guy. Yeah, sorry. But um, if you like comic books like we do and you like superhero shit like we do, um, you're probably going to get some enjoyment out of it. Although, like me, you'll probably be a little bit frustrated by what it could have been. Here's the thing. I liked... Okay, I won't say I liked. I didn't hate Green Lantern when I saw it in the theaters. I didn't hate it either, but I wouldn't say I liked it. Um, Maybe we're just bad judges of movies. Then again, I saw it in 3D. That That's the thing. The I 3D, did not see it in 3D. The 3D, because of all the constructs and everything else, yeah. it, Interesting. it pops. Yeah. Like it's, it, it was really cool. Um, BVS, I don't think, is one of those movies that I'm going to like less every time I see it. Because I don't see more problems with it. Green Lantern, that's the thing about me, is Green Lantern is kind of my jam when it comes to comic book characters. Like, he's the first character I ever really gravitated toward, more than Batman, more than Superman, more than the X-Men, more than anything else. Like, Green Lantern was my thing. Um, And I like that because uh, I could have been that kid that had a Nightcrawler skateboard uh, or whatever. But I liked Green Lantern because I liked what Green Lantern could do. I liked the fact that his ring was the ultimate power in the universe when it was used correctly or given to the right person. Um, so for me, that movie loses something every time I see it because there's there's things that I pick out that are just not right, um, especially given what Jeff Johns has done to the character in comic books. Uh it just does. Batman vs Superman, on the other hand, gives me something that I was looking for as a teenager uh, that I wished I could have seen. I I knew full well as a teenager that I was never going to see Green Lantern in a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but Batman and Superman had been done already. I just wanted them done differently, and I wanted them to do storylines that I wanted to see. Uh, and I, I got that in BVS. And so I, I'm never going to shit on this movie uh, completely. Like... Again, there are things wrong with it, but 
there are so many things that are right with it and so many things that 16 year old me would have been like fuck yes this is what i wanted um that i'm not going to hate it and obviously i'm going to buy a ticket to go see justice league as soon as i can buy one so it is what it is yeah i mean the only thing i'll say before i leave this movie is that like um i kind of feel a little bit the same way i feel about man of steel like it it's not perfect and i but i but i don't hate it like i have not watched green lantern even one time since it came out in theaters and i saw it the first time uh batman versus superman i put on a second time at least so far and man of steel was kind of the same way for me but i keep rewatching it like I'll, i'll show you green lantern in 3d sometime yeah it's one of the few movies that i actually bought in 3d because when i when i watched it i was like did i like that movie because it's 3d I don't know, but I'm going to buy the Blu-ray. Do I like movies or do I like big shiny things in my face? Yeah. Yeah, That's fair. Um, But anyway, this movie for me is still not quite what I want from this universe. Um, But it's not the worst thing ever either. I have an idea. Yeah? Let's go pee. Yeah. And get a beer. Sure. And talk about Star Trek. All right. Okay, so Star Trek. We've got a new trailer uh, for Star Trek Beyond. This is the third trailer. And why is Rihanna singing in it? I don't know, but I didn't hit it. I kind of did. There's so much good music in Star Trek, and like of its own, you know, sort of franchise that Rihanna seemed really weird. Yeah, but I've kind of choice that trailers to me. Don't matter. I mean, no, music. for music, for music standpoint, I, I don't expect that necessarily we're we're going to get Rihanna in the actual movie. Like, look at the Suicide Squad. We've had a. Uh... Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which I'd be fine with. They could put that uh, in the trailer. Movie. And what what was the next one? It was um, uh, I don't know, another song. Yeah, I know what you're talking about too, but I, don't, I yeah, also I don't, don't remember. Um, but the reality is, we're not going to see those songs in the movie in any way, shape, or form. So yeah, and this matter. is more just a comment on like I I didn't like the song choice for the trailer. Whatever, it's fine. It, it was be... it was it was epic. It was an epic sounding song. Yeah. So, to some extent you know what i didn't like no anton yelchin in the trailer yeah and i feel but i, well, I, I mean obviously the trailer was probably cut before he died it it definitely was and i think it even came out before he died like i think that this has been um i think i'm a week behind on posting this or something like that so uh did oh speaking of that did you hear they so this is this is not a this is why it happened and whatnot um, but authorities have discovered upon investigation that the model of Jeep that he was driving had been recalled because the uh, shifter is ambiguous. Yeah, yes. It was, it was, it was hard to tell whether or not you were in park or in neutral and whatnot. So for all intents and purposes, like it, it kind of seems like he, he thought he put the, the, the vehicle in park and, uh, went to check his mail and died, which yeah. is really fucking fucked up and too bad. I uh, just, you know, yeah. And man, the recall had been issued what like a month and a half, two months before I think the incident too. So, but obviously when you're shooting a film and you it, know it's kind of hard. I mean, when you're have you ever had have you ever been part of a recall for a car? Yeah, my vehicles had like four of them. Yeah, so mine, mine, I have a, a 2002 Honda Accord, and it's had recalls for the airbags. Not not recalls like bring your whole fucking car back, but like uh, you know take it into the shop and they'll give you new airbags, sort of thing. Yeah. Um. And it's not immediate. Like, no. Like, first off, it, it's entirely possible had they issued the recall, you know, like a month beforehand, that he would have never even gotten the notification until that point. Um, well, and that's the thing, too, is and I don't want to make excuses, like, because, oh, he's an actor, so he's exempt. But, like, 
how often is he home? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, did he did he really know? Like, I mean, car car stuff like this really drives me nuts. Um, and when I say car stuff like this, I mean user interface sort of car things that are the cause for recalls. Like, I can understand that you tried a new design for whatever particular piece of technology inside of the car. Like you tried a new design for how um, the transmission was going to work and completely uh, uh, outside of the user's control, um, you you know, it, it caused bad things. So you recall the car. That's bound to happen. If you're not, if you're ever going to try anything new, that sort of thing is bound to happen. What drives me nuts is that this is basically like a car UI problem. Like this is a car problem that should have been solved with like A/B testing. You know, like the yeah. Come on, Luna. Um, Luna, the podcasting wonder dog, is uh, with us this evening. She's just decided to join us since Natalie presumably has fallen asleep. Well, long ago. Yeah, Natalie being Matt's daughter. Um. <clears throat> So the thing is, like, things like getting shift knobs right, that should not be this hard of a problem in 2016. No. So, I mean, Jeep Jeep at this point, whether they are at, you know, at fault in any way, like, whether it is, like, as part of the recall or whatever, um, man, they're going to get raked through the fucking coals for this. And, you know, quite honestly... A shift. deservedly so yeah i mean, I mean what, whether this is a, a result of the recall or just a result of the you know making a shitty ambiguous shift knob like i mean fuck them it's not that hard of a problem these days i, I kind of equate that to like mac creating a, a laptop that is ambiguous in whether or not it's the slot they plug in the power to or a mouse you know what I mean? Like, no, because that's USB C. Like, if you're talking about USB C, like that's on no, PC I'm laptops not. all over I'm the not. place. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, Mac doesn't make these mistakes. You know what I mean? Like, they don't produce a product that you don't know how to use, or that you're not sure if it's working the way it's supposed to. Okay. And I this mean, is they me. make, they make. I'm stu- not, I'm not like pro Apple guy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's is- funny because as the Apple guy sitting at this table, like they do make stupid decisions about UX and design all the time. Um, but you know, they like nobody but would dies. They make a decision, nobody dies if like, if they fuck up. Do you the- know your MacBook is not on anymore? You know what I mean? Like, presumably you're done using it, so you shut it down. Like, is there a chance that it's not shut down? No, actually, I will say, like, um, I'm probably fucking up the metaphor here, but... I'm not even trying to go for... Okay, maybe it is somewhat of a metaphor, but I mean, like, it's just an analogy, like, do you... Do, is there a part? Is there I, a I know the nerd in me done using your MacBook that you're just like, oh, I thought I was done, but as it turns out, it you know a claw left it and jumped out of the machine and grabbed me. Yeah, like no. What I was gonna say is like as it regards like Mac versus PC and all that kind of stuff. Like my PCs that I've used are far more likely to compute can continue computing shit even when I've told it explicitly to go to sleep. And like, even that tells you like I can't go to sleep because I'm still doing this fucker. No, but like my PC, um, so like I, I have a home build PC at home, uh, hence the home build part. Um, people people buy PCs. I mean laptops, I guess. 
Um, but you know, my, my main rig at home is a PC and that shit wakes up all the time for no goddamn reason. Like it wakes itself up and it stays on all night, even though I've explicitly told it like turn off at these events and, you know, turn off after this amount of time and all that kind of stuff. So, um, in my experience, like Mac, at least when I close the lid, that shit goes to sleep and then it just stays that way until I tell it to wake up, you know? So like that, that's a good example of like the, you know, the exact behavior that a user would expect, like that's what's supposed to happen. Like if, if, uh, you know, you have to hedge, like if you're like, Oh, well of course it woke up because we designed it so that even though the user explicitly told it to do something, it does something else. Like you've kind of fucked up. So like, but the easier thing here is when we're talking about this Jeep thing, um, there should be no ambiguity. Like th- this is, we've had shifters for God knows how long, like, I don't know, 80 years. Like there should be no fucking ambiguity at this point. My grandma drove a 64 Mercury. She knew when it was in park. Exactly. Like it, it kills me today that, uh, some of these things have gotten more complicated and it seems like only for the purpose of just changing, um, there's no reason why this needs to be ambiguous at all like at all like no excuse for this like if this is actually the cause and you know forgive me please don't sue me jeep if it's not but if this is actually the cause yeah they deserve to get raked under the clothes for yeah i'm not saying it's jeep's fault but come on jeep Yeah, if the fact that this is even a question that like, oh, we couldn't figure out if it was in Shifter and Park in in 2016. Yeah. Get your shit together. Like, like I, I, you know, I have a, I have a a two year old, a six year old and a nine year old. And I'm pretty sure any of them could design a Shifter that you knew when it was in Park or not. Here's the thing, man. Like whether or not your vehicle was in Shifter Park is the difference between whether or not a, a fucking prodigy actor is. um, Oh, forget the fact making films. Or pinned between his Jeep and a goddamn cement pillar. Like, even forget that for a second. Forget that it's cheap. Forget that it's, you know, or uh, forget that it's a famous actor. Just a person. Like, just anybody. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for stuff like this to happen in 2016. Like, again, uh, maybe we're being unfair here because uh, obviously this is sort of a clickbaity, scathing sort of article uh, about this particular, or not, you know, we're not discussing a particular article, but. This is sort of a clickbaity take on this, but the, I don't think the it fact is. is. That's the thing is, I don't think it is at this point. Like, I think it might have started out that way, but I think there's some legitimacy here. I mean, th- so it doesn't really matter if that's the cause. The fact is, is that if there's ambiguity at all, if you cannot design a shifter as a major car maker in 2016, where you, where everybody from a two-year-old on up cannot figure out if it's in park or not, you fucked up. Like, just yeah. stop. How there. does that you pass QA? Up. Yeah, exactly. Like or QC as it is. Yeah, whatever. Um the the fact is like in 2016 there should be zero ambiguity about this. Like I understand you want to try new designs and whatever, but uh you know, interview 100 people if one person doesn't know it's in park, you fucked up. That's the Just thing. go back to the drawing board. I I drive currently a 2007 Chevy Malibu. Um and for those of you who may not know, the 2007 Chevy Malibu is the first Malibu that was designed after GM bought Saab, and the body design is 100% a Saab design. Mm-hmm. The suspension, however, is 100% GM and was not intended to be run <laughs> in the Saab design. 
and my car is a piece of shit. Um, so I'm just saying, um, Jurassic Park theorem here. Like, it doesn't matter if you can do it. Like, it's a matter of whether or not you should do it. Yeah. So, man, that's a good callback. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just. We're keeping Saying. that alive. Jurassic Park theorem, copyright 2015, probably? 14? Is that when that podcast came out? I don't know. <laughs> That's ours, though. It is. Um, All right, so Star Trek Beyond the uh, trailer. Yeah. Go watch it. That's we've, actually... been, we've been talking about this for 40 minutes, and we're just um, not going to talk about the trailer. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, I love the cast in the... Um... Oh, we have a name for this now. I don't remember. I, I thought I posted this in the show notes. I didn't. There's there's a legit name for this uh the the rebooted franchise is there yeah and i don't like to call it a rebooted franchise because it's actually not a reboot because it's rooted in yeah i mean you got original spock so it counts yeah uh we'll look that up we'll throw it in the show notes when we can find it um <laughs> is it like star trek 2099 it's not it's not <laughs> uh nerdist actually posted an article about it let's talk about x-men yeah I know nothing about this, as it turns out. Uh, like I was mentioning to Matt before the show, um, this this TV series, the X-Men uh, quasi-related to this, uh, is called Legion. Mm-hmm. And it's about essentially the son of Charles Xavier, yep. which I wish they would have just come out and said to begin with. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, this is the son of Charles Xavier and uh, one Moira McTaggart. Indeed, who you might have met in uh, Days of Futures Past, or no, no. that's not true. First, First class, class, sorry, and then also she w- she had a bit of a part of an, an apocalypse. So, the issue um, with Legion, whose name I believe is David. Yeah, Holler, Haller, Haller. Yep. Yeah. Um, the reason I'm familiar with his character is because the entire Age of Apocalypse was. Um, brought to us by david haller which is curious because he had not even a tiny little part in the movie well apocalypse is a character right yeah and this movie was not based on age of age of apocalypse at all um and that's fine because two separate subjects like they they really tried to play it up as though this was kind of like age of apocalypse it wasn't in any way shape or form maybe they just didn't want to get too close to age of ultron um, so what happened is David Haller actually went back in time because he is one of the most powerful mutants on the face of the planet. He is definitely an Omega class mutant. Nice. Um, and his intent was to go back and kill Magneto because he felt like Magneto had caused so much strife in Xavier's life that Xavier couldn't pursue his dream. And what happened was he instead killed Xavier. <laughs> Apocalypse then moved in for the kill. Magneto is the one who actually formed the X-Men at that point in time in Xavier's name and tried to pursue Xavier's dream the best way he knew how. So he was a bit more violent, obviously, than Xavier was, um, as were his X-Men, but he was definitely doing what he was doing in the name of Charles Xavier. So um, David Howard didn't necessarily accomplish his goals, obviously. doesn't sound like he did a great job luna 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 likes the comic book series age of apocalypse she um hasn't seen the movie yet but she's not heard good things so david holler was directly responsible for age of apocalypse happening whether luna cared for it or not 
Indeed. Um, and as it turns out, he's the focus of this new TV show uh, called, of course, Legion, which it uh, looks like it's coming to FX. That'd be good. FX um, has hosted a number of good shows. And um, we're going to talk about one of those here in a few minutes. <clears throat> yeah. Um, um, I'm excited about an X-Men property actually coming to uh, television. I think, I think you could do a lot. I, I really do think X-Men is best served by an episodic format. I just uh, the yeah. thing that sucks about X-Men is that it's also best served by gigantic budgets. It doesn't have to be. It, it doesn't, but it certainly helps. Like a lot of the X-Men have powers in which that um it, it would be really hard to do, you know, without a gigantic budget. Fundamentally what X-Men is at its heart is um uh, about bigotry or anti bigotry, it, or, or it is sort of so, like, like if you, you were can, if you replace the mutants with you know say like black people in the fifties or gay like people gay people in today the 90s or whatever, yeah. it would still make uh, you know a lot of sense probably. <coughs> yeah, no, I agree, but I, I I think I think I'll watch it for sure. Oh yeah, no question. I think I'm definitely going to watch this. Um, and this is a mo- th- This show sounds to be uh, something that would do just great on the small screen. Seems like we're dealing with another telepath. Uh, I do not know anything about David Haller or so, Legion in general. So he is to the nth degree uh, schizophrenic. Like he. But the problem with him is, though, is like whatever he imagines can become a reality. Interesting. So he's dangerous because of the fact that, like, he's schizophrenic and has these, like, paranoid delusions and whatnot, but, like, they can come true because he has the power to make them come true. Yeah, I. If they went that direction in the show, that could that could be really fun to watch. Every episode could be completely different based on whether or not he's in a mood. Yeah, so. essentially. Like, um, this also sounds like you know, like in the way that Stargate or Star Trek even explored lots of different, you know, completely different ideas. This sounds like that could be that. Yeah. 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 Um, let's hope so. I mean, or something, you know, at least fun to watch. There's a lot of different angles I think they could tackle the set because you got some, you got a very troubled character at its heart with, you know, lots of extraordinary power. And it sounded to me, at least from the taglines that, you know, they were, they were, you know, pushing the show with, which admittedly at this point has basically no official, you know, backing uh, other than the fact that it's happening. Um, They, you know, so much they could do with the show outside of even just that idea. So I want to watch it. No, I, I'm totally going to watch it. Um, here's the thing. They made a movie about Generation X when I was 17, 16, 17, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, which was uh, an X-Men title. Um, it was essentially, it kind of replaced the New Mutants. Uh, what it was was uh, a different school in Boston that Xavier kind of had set up for new mutants and whatnot and jubilee went there um and there was a lot of other mutants uh that were a part of it they made a tv movie called generation x and i watched it 
and it was terrible. I was but, just going to say, I've never heard of this. No. So it, it must be one of those hidden gems from 10 years ago about not, a major Not franchise. even a gem. Just one of those things that was terrible, hidden. but at the same time, like, it was a comic book property. So back then, like, that didn't happen. So yeah, like it was kind of one of those things where I was like, I'm going to watch this. If I knew it existed, I'm sure I would have watched it, too. I'm going to make sure the ratings are good because I want more. Yeah. You know? And it was, it was fucking horrible. Um, well... Not even the clouds of youth. Well, the thing is, is, well for this movie. The thing is, is that they they the product characters that weren't actually in Generation X, they just like created characters for the TV show just to make it something, mm-hmm. uh, which they didn't have to do. Like it was, yeah, it was it was bad already, and then they brought in characters that weren't part of it, and I was like, well, this is worse. Yeah, this is definitely worse. Yeah, Emma okay. Frost. Emma Frost was one of the teachers at the school, and she's a character that obviously, like, if you watched X Men First Class and you saw January Jones as Emma Frost, like, you were like, "Wow, she's pretty hot, and she has cool powers and whatnot." Uh, the chick they brought in to be Emma Frost and the TV series was a little bit older, which I think is kind of how she was being portrayed at that point in time, anyway. So, like, I guess it's maybe a little okay. Um. Uh, but. The rest of the cast was fucking horrible. <laughs> That's funny, actually. Um, Emma Frost, like, the only incarnations I've ever seen her in are portrayed as this, like, uber hot character. Like, oh, so much so that it's, like, a part of her characterization. Like, not, you know, like, everybody in comics that's female is, like, essentially hot, except for, like, Amanda Waller. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> but basically, everybody else is hot. But, even even given that Emma Frost has always seemed like the way that I've seen her portrayed has always been like she's ridiculous hot like god tier hot like omega level hot so it's funny to me to hear that she's played by, by you know well, she's an omega class mutant so she yeah. should be omega omega hot but it doesn't always work that way though like I'm sure like there's plenty of ladies who like think that Patrick Stewart's like the bee's knees and what have you but I don't know did you read any Generation X ever? No. Oh, no. man. I'm, I'm going to have to give you some issues because... Um, well, we're going to come back with reading recommendations at the end. Yeah? Yeah. This isn't part of it, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll well, give you... Well, it can be now. I set that segue up and you just like tripped right over it. I, I didn't trip over it. I just shit on you. you were just <laughs> that's, like, that's what that. I did. I don't want to do it. No. Yeah. Um, but I will give you... Uh, I'll, I'll give you some issues uh, to read Okay. for it. Um, like legitimately, like I'll... I'll tell you what to read like i'll tell you guys what to read too but i mean him in particular like i'll hand him stuff and he'll read it probably yeah so uh so one last piece of news and then we'll get into our last big topic uh uh so this is comic book related actually Speaking of fx no no i'm skipping past that because i got a quick i think this is gonna be a quick one which is uh captain america oh okay you're gonna you're, you're, you're doing this yeah all right captain america it, as it turns out has a decent reason for being hydra Maybe. Sort of. Uh, so here's the thing. Like, when this first happened, like, Marvel was really adamant. They were like, nope, he's Hydra. Like, this is what it is. Like, it's not yep. a it's not a hallucination. It's not a dream. It's this not... isn't totally something we're going to go back on in, like, six issues. Except. They're probably going to go back on it in, like, except, less than six issues. Um. So. <laughs> the last four or five podcasts I think I've talked about the um, Avengers standoff at Pleasant Hill kind of a thing 
and I talked about how there's some cosmic cube action going on, and they created an entity called Kovic or whatever. Mm, yeah. Um. So the cosmic cube entity is actually what gave Cap his powers back, because um, when the it, when the series started out, he was an old man still. Because the super soldier serum, like whatever, had 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 run its course or lost its effectiveness and and whatnot. Uh, Kovic, the cosmic cube entity, was like, I can restore you to your, you know, rightful state. <coughs> and Cap, of course, in the middle of a siege by villains and whatnot, was like, Yeah, I need to help out my people, so do that. So that happened. But apparently, um, the Red Skull had influenced Kobik beforehand. And uh, so, when that happened, it also instilled memories of his mom being a Hydra sleeper cell agent and him being along for the ride for the whole thing. So, he legitimately thinks he's a Hydra agent when he, in fact, isn't. So, for those of you playing the home game who may have listened to the past couple of episodes where we've talked about this very thing. It's probably three or four episodes ago where we were like, you know, it'd be completely retarded if they made Captain America actually Hydra for the history of his career. Like if they retcon that shit in, that'd be retarded. You were right. Cause that would be, uh, for those of you who also heard me say, and it'd also be kind of like a little retarded if they, you know, invented this, thing just basically to sell books for like two issues and then went back on it turns out you're probably right too yeah 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 so anyway uh the the short of it is that you know captain america is not staying hydra because duh because duh here's the thing i don't know how long he's gonna be hydra we just at this point we know why yeah so but he's not staying hydra i i don't think he can like it's not it it's so not that character. Like nobody would write it that way for too long, I don't think. No. Yeah. Anyway. Uh last piece of news we got. Uh this isn't news at all, actually. I watched a show that came out in two thousand and eight. <laughs> Eddie, watch the show, people. <laughs> yes. Buckle up, folks. This is gonna be amazing. I sat on my couch. Uh don't buckle up because there's no seatbelts on motorcycles. <laughs> there's not. Uh this is yeah, no, that's a solid segue. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Matt and my wife, and now as it turns out, Casey and uh, my wife's brother David, and like I don't know, sixteen Everyone or seventeen else other in people. The world. Yeah, probably I don't know at this point, probably Charlie Hunan himself. Hunnam. Hunnam? Yeah, yeah, Hunnam. Sorry, Charlie Hunnam himself has told me I need to watch Sons of Anarchy. I finally watched the first three episodes in this last week, and yeah, I probably should. Yeah. Continue to watch it. Um, so he watched episodes one, two, and three. Yep. <coughs> wow. I sat here long enough. My monitor went to sleep. Um, obviously, <laughs> episode one is a pilot. Yeah. Um, so episode one, you know, it's not a blow away episode. It, it was enough that it would it kept me watching, essentially. like uh, It's kind of cool. Like. The way the pilot is set up, and this is different than other drama pilots that I've seen, but um, it basically starts out with the main character of the series buying condoms, and then shit blows up. Yeah, that's fair. Um, which which is which is way uh, 
different. Like it's it's not the, it's not a typical pilot in any way, shape, or form. Because like there's small talk, and then all of a sudden, boom, and then he's like, "Well, shit!" Like literally, like that's the the first word. Like not the first word, but like one of the first words you hear out of our main character is "shit." Yeah. So, uh, who is who is Jax Teller? He's essentially the son of one of the founding members of the son of Sons of Anarchy, which is, of course, a motorcycle gang uh, who, you know, club club their club. Yeah, I mean, it it essentially strikes a lot of uh, uh, and I'm sure this is by design. It, it reminds you a lot of Hell's Angels, you know, like in all the stories you hear about the Hell's Angels and so on and so forth. Um, it, it, this first set of episodes sort of strikes me a lot like that. Like, presumably at some point they go off that path a little bit. But right now I, I feel like we're telling what seems like a fairly realistic portrayal of a club like, say, Hell's Angels. Um, or at least some of the more, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. Law uh, uh, skirting. Seven seasons, Sectors. we never leave this setting. Okay, that's interesting. Um, not only was... His dad wasn't just one of the founding members. His dad was the architect of what the Sons of Anarchy... Well, and you find out within the first two episodes like what he wanted the club to be versus what it is now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, things have changed and whatnot, so... Um, his his vision isn't isn't there, but like JT was the guy who was like, we need something um, to yeah. to be able to 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 express ourselves and all this kind of stuff. So um, you'll find out as you progress, and I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, but there is what we call the first nine. That would be the founding members of the Sons of Anarchy, exactly. I would assume. Yes, um, and you'll find out exactly who they are um, as we progress through the through the story and whatnot. Um, and JT JT was like number one of the first nine and yeah. all that good stuff. So that part, at least, I think I'm. Uh, yeah, we got already. Uh, Piney. Piney is is one of those guys who, and and they don't really mention it other than one of his patches. I think it says first nine on it. Oh, okay. Um, and and he's Opie's dad. Which one's dad. Piney? Piney is Opie's dad. Okay. Oh yeah, I got it. He's got like the oxygen tube yep. at the beginning. That's actually kind of funny because uh, he, you know, they clearly re- revere and respect this guy who's you know a little too old to actually be drives around with a little trike. <clears throat> yeah. And and whatnot, and and tells his kid he's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fun times. But. Uh... No, this is the, yeah. Now I remember that because there's a scene where I think Opie goes and asks. He's, uh, he's, he needs money. He needs money, essentially. Yeah, and it's either episode two or three. It. Uh, I think it is episode two. Yeah. Anyway, that that was sort of a funny thing, you know, and. It, it, that's the part that I kind of like about it so far is like you have Opie who's just got back from doing a stint, like he did five years or something like that. Uh, a nickel, as yeah, we call it. He did a nickel. Uh, you know, now that I've been indoctrinated to this world for all of uh, five minutes, we my people call it a nickel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he did a nickel uh, and he gets out and he's got a wife and kids and all that kind of stuff. And his wife is very much like, you know, we can leave this world and blah, 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 except for they're up to their ears in debt and he needs money. And so basically he jumps right back into the gang. Like, yeah, the, the, the club has the answer to, to his problems. Yeah. The club, the club can make money. Uh, you just might 
also get picked up again at some time in the future. I mean, that's the implied thing in the in the you know the narrative. Obviously, nobody's coming out and saying like, oh yeah, sure, we can give you money, it, but maybe you'll go to jail again. So here's the deal with the Sons of Anarchy. If you don't already know, it's a motorcycle club, and um, their primary source of income is actually that they are arms dealers. They get arms from the Irish. Yep. Um, and they resell them to whoever needs them. Um, they don't sell to the Mexicans, AKA the Mayans, which is a different motorcycle club, um, from a neighboring city. Um, they're not necessarily racist, uh, against, but, they, but they're the not thing necessarily is, racist, like, but they do use racial epithets. Like they do. And not just them, but like all of the characters, like you hear the N word dropped and you hear, you know, primarily, and all that primarily kind of they like, sell to the one niners, which are uh black gang. Yep. And, um, C- commonly referred to as the N words, you know, they also don't like, um, meth heads. No, they don't. And the thing about the, thing know, about the, the MC is they, they're, they're based in a town called Charming, which is in, in supposedly in Northern California. Um, and they don't dig on people who bring drugs into the city and things like that. Unlike most motorcycle clubs. And I can say that, um, they they aren't pro drug like they don't want meth brought into their city See, or heroin or anything else and that's else. the thing i was just going to point out they deal arms to you know questionable characters and lots of other stuff that you know most of us of you know regular moral integrity would consider questionable but they don't like meth heads that, that's basically kind of their, nobody likes that's kind meth of their heads. deal they're like here's the deal um we'll sell you guys arms but don't bring heroin in yeah don't 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 do shit in our city but yeah. you can have our guns there there is sort of that uh this is another thing that i like too because this is this to me seemed like a direct you know call towards the like the hell's angels type of uh motorcycle club that uh, i think they're drawing a lot of inspiration from a lot of those guys and a lot of the stories you hear about hell's angels and so on and more, some of the more you know I, I know no other but some of the more popular clubs like that um had some questionable dealings but also had sort of a moral code um, along these lines. And so that, you know, that's, that actually becomes a focus of, uh, episode three where they basically go after a guy who raped a little girl. Nobody, nobody wants to see their city kind of fall into disarray, yeah. so to speak. So they, they definitely do things that are on the, uh, you know, wrong side of the law, but it, it is very like, it's told in a very, like a uh, Jesse James, you know, not even it's, Jesse it's James, more, of a, more like it's, a, yeah, it's a, it's a cowboy code of honor. Yeah, Exactly. So, so far I'm digging it. Like it, it, it's not blowing me away yet, but I, everybody's kind of said, you know, like the first couple of episodes start out kind of slow, but you know, stick with it for a few and you'll get, you know, into it sort of, but I really like it so far. Um, first off, one of the things, like if you followed my Twitter, you would see that I tweeted like a million times because there's so many recognizable faces in this show. And and so right off the bat, like you see so many recognizable faces and uh, in a lot of cases, yeah, in a lot of cases, in ways you have not seen them before. So Ron Perlman has not a grand, you know, like he's not a main character. Well, no, he, is, he is. He is a main character, but I mean, he just it doesn't have a ton of screen time at least initially. Um, yep. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure that changes. Yep. Like, there's no way it doesn't. Uh, Katie Seagal, uh, you know her from uh, Married with Children. Obviously, you also know her from uh, Futurama as the voice of Leela, and she's done other things. What's that one show with that one guy who died? She did another show. Like, oh, um, 
uh, 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 dating my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Dating my daughter or something like that. Or eight rules, eight rules for dating my daughter. Kaylee Kuoko from, uh, uh, breaking uh, bad prior. No, no, no. no. Breaking bad. Uh, is <laughs> that big even? bang? There was two, Kuoko from there big was bang two theory. B words. I got mostly there. Uh, also came from that show. Yeah. Katie Seagal, John Ritter. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, so she was exactly in that show with John singing. Ritter. Um, yeah, uh, Charlie Hunnam obviously is the main character as, as Jax Teller. Yeah, I don't uh, know Katie if he Seagal did is... anything before this, but uh, I I recognize him at least because he's in um, <laughs> Pacific Rim, which I've seen. So, yeah, this was kind of his big thing. Yeah, um, he was in some other stuff uh, in the UK before before this. Is he British? That's really he's, gonna fuck uh, me up. 100% That's British. so funny. <laughs> and and you should hear him talk because it's fucked up. But That's funny. This this must be what it's like when people find out that Christian Bale's British. Wait until he put the words Oregon in his mouth because he says Oregon. Oregon. It's, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. We're gonna head up to Oregon. Um, Kim Coates is in it. Kim Coates has been in bit parts uh, from fucking here to fucking breakfast. But like uh, Waterworld, he was one of the crazies that tried to hijack Costner in uh, in Waterworld. Yeah. Um, uh, Mark even Boone the, Jr. Yeah, every, AKA fucking uh, Detective Flass from that's Batman who Begins. I was thinking. Yep, yep. Like you just follow my Twitter and it's all of this stuff. Like, oh look, it's Flass. Oh look, it's uh, Joey's sister. You know the the uh, the strung out you know mother of uh, um, Jax's baby is Joey's sister from you know the brief stint of the Tommy Joey Flanagan. show. Flanagan, I recognize Tommy too. Flanagan, who was a um, legit fucking Scott, who was in Braveheart. Mm-hmm. He's notable because he's got the legit scars across his face and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite characters in the series and whatnot. Theo Rossi is in it <coughs> as uh, as Juice. He's not as no as well known outside of the show but you get to know pretty well through the show so i mean the the thing here is like this show has basically a smorgasbord of actors that i had already known and recognized as being like good actors so if nothing else i'm on board for that um ryan hurst who plays opie he i know from something but i don't know what you don't know him from anything i guarantee He's, it. he looks super familiar um, his dad was famous though okay his dad was in the Dukes of Hazard, so I guess I know him from being the son of somebody who looks recognizable. Yeah, basically that's about it. Uh, Except for the time you fucked his sister on SVU. Yeah, that was Ryan. Ryan Hurst guess. was on SVU, and uh, he he played a character who used to have sex with his sister, played by Rose McGowan. Well, I mean, I would uh, in in one episode. It's not even his fault. I don't even think that counts. Uh, here's the thing. What you're going to get later on in the show, though, is even more badass because Jimmy Smith joins the cast. Yeah, Brian Hurst has been in like lots of shit. I'm sure He's I been recognize this from... stuff. But... Like, I would have never been able to name him, but I'm sure I recognize him from one of these things. And he's in a show on WGN now, too, as well. I don't remember what the name of it is, but, you know. Yeah, sure. Maggie Siff, uh, who plays uh, Tara, the doctor, mm-hmm. her character is going to get way more important uh, than you even know. 
he, <laughs> Ryan Hurst profile Beverly picture Hills on 90210. Yes, Ryan Hurst. Yeah, his man. his picture on IMDb is straight up from fucking Sons of Anarchy like season 3 or 4. Like that's ridiculous. He he looks I mean, I'm not gay or I'd anything but yeah. Yeah. I would. It's a sexy beard. He looks like a fucking viking. Viking. Yeah, he's he's kind of a badass. Yeah. Outsiders, that's the name of the show he's in now. All right. Um so you've watched episodes one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Episode one, very typical pilot. Like setting the stage for everything. Like there's the beef between the Suns and the Mayans, the mm-hmm. relationship with the Suns and the and the Niners as far as tr- arms dealing and whatnot. Um Episode two, you get a little bit more exposition into the relationship between the sons and the Irish who bring in the weapons, things like that. You also meet um, uh, uh, the prospect. Yep. Half sack. <laughs> the, pros- the prospect's funny to me. Half sack. Yeah. Uh, not so funny in real life as that guy um, murdered his landlady and then killed himself because he's legit nuts. Awkward. Yeah. Well, that's something that I'll not be able to see while I watch the rest of his run um, of the show. And and the thing about that is, is his landlady was a lady that was known in Hollywood as the lady that would bring in young actors and give them a place to stay while they established themselves in Hollywood. Like, um, helped well, out a lot of fucking dudes. So he's throughout legit her time super crazy then. Yeah. He, well, he's dead now. Yeah. Well, he was. Yeah. yeah. Super crazy. But yeah. Uh, so half sack though, like his character of the show. Pretty hilarious, because right. because he gets thrown into situations that it's like, do I really want to be here? They, they like, did that already, like when they were like, "Hey, dig up this fat Mexican guy," or cut the fucking deer in half, yeah, to get him out of the car. It's like four seconds into the show. I think that was episode one. <coughs> they they uh, the, you so the sons run you know legitimate businesses as well, yeah. and one of them was you know like a they, they run an auto repair fucking place. auto repair or something like that. So uh, the first episode is uh, the the some guy in a beamer has hit a deer who's you know sticking ass end out of the fucking car straight through the windshield. They're straight like, through the windshield, and they're like, "You get you gotta you know here's a chainsaw, cut him out." Yeah. Which first off is funny, but that's the wrong fucking way to get that solved. <laughs> And anyway, they're 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 like he's like. What do we do? And they're like, I don't know. Make the prospect do it. Yeah, he's like, "Uh, I'm vegan. And they're like, Well, (laughs) sex for you, bro. And they hand him a chainsaw. And and for those of you listening at home that may not be savvy to the the motorcycle club universe, like a prospect is a guy who's not technically part of the club, but he wants to be. Yeah, he's he's the pledge in any frat. Yeah, basically. Basically. He's and like, the, you do the bitch work long enough and maybe you make it into the club. He's he's going to do whatever they ask him to do and, and, and hope that someday they're like, you know what? Sure. Yeah. We'll give you your patch. <laughs> That's fine. It, it, it is it is very funny. Um, And honestly, he do, he plays that character very well, regardless of how his life ended or whatnot. Like, he plays the character uber well. Um, Episode three, circus episode. Yeah, I like this episode. This is the episode where the sons sort of get a moral center. Uh, so the premise for this episode is that a uh, popular guy in town, I don't remember, uh, you know, I probably am missing Oswald. something. Oswald. He's a big dude in town. He has some relation to the sons. Which he owns I'm not, a lot of property. Yeah, I'm not entirely 
sure what exactly his relationship to the sons is, but he knows them. He knows what they do, uh, essentially. And what happens or the opening of the episode is the uh, daughter, his daughter goes missing and uh, the show opens on her. She's like seven. Thirteen. Is she is she that old? She's okay. she's twelve or thirteen, but okay. it, it's still ridiculously young. Like, um, <clears throat> the show opens on her basically, you know, lying in a in a forest, you know, having just you know presumably been raped, which is what happened. So that's what happened, and and basically, uh, Oswald goes to the sons and says, you know, find that fucking guy so I can kill him, uh, more or less. He and, he's, and the sons are really upfront about it. They're like, so here's the deal, um, Clay. Clay, Clay, is, Clay, Clay says. Clay straight up says, "Like we find this dude, we'll we bring find him to you. Him, like, don't be a bitch about it. You do what you say you're gonna do. Because if you don't, we will. And yeah, Clay basically straight up says, you know, like, dude, you you better stick with this. Like, if you're just pissed off right now, just don't ask because, uh, you know, if we bring him to you, essentially, you you have to go through with this shit. And so that's pretty much precisely what happens. Like, th- this is an interesting episode because it shows like." clay is ruthless like not necessarily bad but ruthless like the end of the episode is them catching the rapist and clay cutting his balls off you know spoilers for somebody who hasn't watched a you know nine-year-old show at this point but um that to me was kind of interesting because a like morally it's like well i don't necessarily agree with his methods but yeah that guy's a you know he kind of has it coming uh, but, uh, what was more interesting is the way that Clay, Clay is a smart guy. Uh, like he, he was essentially using that as blackmail. So, he, you know, he kind of set it up in a way so that whether or not Oswald went through with it or not, he has, you know, leverage. Clay needed property to yep. set up shop because the, the episode one is his warehouse where he puts together weaponry, you know, weaponry and, and, yeah. and sells it. Uh, is blown up by the Mexican gang, the Mayans, and he n- understands that that property is now dead yeah. as far as being able to do anything fruitful for the club. Oswald has property. Yep. Um. So that's that's kind of where that sets up. the The other piece of this, as we mentioned earlier, is Opie. His family. Um. He's got a wife and kids. His wife Donna. Uh, played by uh, Sprague something. I don't remember her last name. Yeah. Um, you might know her. If, if you, in the in the early 2000s, uh, watched a show on Fox called uh, John Doe. I know enough. I know about that show, but I didn't watch it. The lead was Dominic Purcell. The premise of the story is he wakes up in the middle of nowhere, gets picked up by a boat full of Chinese and dropped off in Seattle. He knows everything. Yeah. But he doesn't know who he is. Mm-hmm. I do remember the show. Um, but I, I think I only maybe watched the first episode or something like that. The, the the chick who plays Donna, and I wish I knew her last name. It really is Sprague something. Go on. Um, she... Uh, yeah, in, in John Doe, she plays a chick that that she's an artist and she's familiar with the bartender in town and whatnot. Um, she plays Opie's wife in this, who has, as Eddie mentioned before, like she's kind of been through the shit because her husband went to jail 
for five years and she's been at home with the kids and everything like that. And she really wants to make things work outside of the club. Yeah, she she actually is like surprisingly optimistic. Like uh, she's talking to him, you know, like at the open of the show, I think she's saying something along the lines of like, uh, I need to take the truck today. And he asks why. And she says, because, you know, the, the wagon, uh, you know, we missed the payment for three months. And if I take the, the wagon, they'll repo it. So we got to keep it locked up in the garage. Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, shit, you know, and she's like, no, it's fine. We'll make it work. We'll figure something out, you know, like. And she, the sad part about Opie is he's he's legitimately on board with this idea like it, when we meet opie he's meet he's working at like a fucking lumber yard or some shit oh yeah he is doing you know basic menial labor and jacks goes to him and he's like dude if my wife catches me working with the club like it's my nuts kind of a thing yeah but at the same time like opie knows that if he works with the club like he can earn yeah like it, a lot of his problems are solved yeah um spread graden is her name yeah Anyway, um, she's super good in the show. Uh, apparently, she was in Paranormal Activity. Two and a half episodes in, I would totally... Well, three Two episodes three. in, I would agree. I have not seen any of the Paranormal Activity movies, however, so I have no idea. No, she's she's super good in it. Um, Opie is one of the characters that you gravitate toward in this show and eddie's gonna find that out more over the coming season and whatnot because he's kind of Jax's uh moral compass that's interesting Jax has this idea um so let's let's start out with the premise of the story um number one in episode one Jax is kind of going through a storage unit because he's expecting a kid yeah his mom gives him the keys to the storage unit she's like go get some kid shit because there's plenty of stuff in there from when you were a kid and whatnot Mm -hmm. but what he finds is his dad's essentially manifesto saying this is why i started the club this was my intention for the club the club is not going in the direction that i intended it to like this is this is darker than what i wanted and so uh, jack starts kind of reading this stuff and he starts to question his his position he's the vp in the club yep his stepdad clay being the president and so he's heir apparent to this criminal organization that he finds out wasn't meant to be a criminal operation. It was meant to be just a form of escape for Vietnam vets who had gone through the same things that, that JT had gone through. Um, and just a, a, a social organization for them to kind of hang out, get stuff off their chest and, and ride bikes for fun. And in, in as it turns out, they're gun runners. Yeah. So, I, I I like this aspect actually. Um, it's I don't think you've spoiled anything. I think I'm just a little slow on the uptake. But like, uh, th- this is a storyline that I'm interested in. Like, you know, because I I you can clearly see like Jax doesn't seem like he's a bad guy necessarily. He just seems like a guy who doesn't necessarily have a good moral compass. You know, kind of like what you're saying about Opie being his moral compass. Yeah. Like. He doesn't seem like he necessarily should be a bad guy. He just doesn't also seem like he's had somebody teach him like the right and wrong of things or like his right and wrong are a little skewed. They are. Yeah, for sure. Because well, I mean, he didn't really know his dad that well. Yeah. And what he grew up with instead was his mom and Clay. Yeah. And Clay is like you can, you can tell because Jack's after he reads the journals is kind of like, do we have to take a life to make this right? Yeah. And Clay is kind of like, mm, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, um, and his mom's super worried. Like you can tell, like his mom is like, I don't want his head being filled with uh, JT's bullshit and all this good good stuff. And and Clay, for the benefit, and, you know, I mean, for all intents and purposes, like he's just a kid. Give him a chance. He, he's yeah. going to come around, you know. Um, so you don't really see much conflict between him and Clay as much as you see a conflict between him and Gemma for through part of it. Um, and and for her part, Katie Seagal plays a character that you've not seen her play before. Like this is oh that, that is one thing that like even you know two or three episodes in she's a very different character than you've seen her play like yeah. which is fun like I I love seeing actors get a stretch a little bit like that especially ones that have been typecast a little uh, uh, a little and then you know getting to do something completely different um, yeah she's she's a well-ranged actress. It, it helps that she's fucking the guy that created the show. That does help. <laughs> I did not know that. But... Yeah, her and Kurt Sutter are married, so... Yeah, yeah. Kurt Sutter, uh, for all of his verses, like, he did a really good job creating the show. Um, he worked on The Shield with Michael Chiklis okay. for FX. Like, he was he was a writer on that show and, and kind of came into his own as a writer on that show, and some of the characters in this are actually kind of spinoffs from that show. Um, Leroy from the one niners is, is a spinoff from the oh, shield. I didn't know that any of that. I, I didn't either until I did some, a little bit of research. You meet Leroy in episode one, I think, or two. I don't remember which one, but he's, he's there because he's one of the guys that's supposed to buy the guns that got destroyed or, okay. or stolen. Yeah. I think I know who you're talking about, but yeah, he, have, he's the black dude from Oakland. I have no relevant backstory for him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't either. I I didn't watch the Shield, so I I didn't see it. But like, this is kind of where Kurt Sutter got his his comeuppance as far as his writing. Yeah. Um. And honestly, I can say this because I've seen the entire series, and Eddie hasn't. I'm not gonna spoil anything for him because I'm gonna kind of watch this with him as he goes through it. Um. Because it's been a while since I've seen the show, and I don't mind watching it at all. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know, by the time season seven closes that Kurt Sutter had this plotted out well in advance. See, that's one of the things that I really, really like about shows. Like I really want to see like uh, game of Thrones is another good example. Like Ashley and I were talking about this and they, and she, she was saying, you know, like I, I don't want this to end. Maybe they should stretch this out. And I was like, Nope, they're, they they have an exact plan or more or less like it may go a couple of episodes shorter or longer but they have a plan for where this is going um and uh that's for the best like that means they get to tell a very tight story so it's actually very encouraging to me that you say that they've got a plan for where sons is going because um you know you can't really tell a tight story unless you have a plan kurt sutter said like very early on in the show that the show wasn't going to go beyond six or seven seasons i think that's its it run went, i think it, it went 2008 seven. and two yeah 2014 it went it went seven um so you you know where he's going with the show i mean you don't know where he's going like you don't know how it's going to end but like he's got a very specific like it's like the seven seasons are definitely a a, a first middle and third act that's good you know what i mean um he does it really well he does and that's that's the thing is like he's he's uber smart when it comes to that kind of thing he tried to do another show after this that was based in medieval times 
What and is that? I don't even remember the name of it. That's fine. We'll look it, it up later. It wasn't that. It wasn't that good. Um, <clears throat> but I watched a few ups. I I think I watched like the first episode of it. And I didn't like it. Oh, uh, the bastard executioner on FX. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it wasn't good. Anyway, um, the show is good though. <laughs> <coughs> All right. Well, I am going to stick with it, and I think that's our show for this week. Yeah. Um. We got some. Well, actually, we do have one more thing. We didn't. We we are notably absent from our show this week is some comic book stuff. Um, both Matt yeah. and I were behind on the comic books that we read that dropped this week. That would be the Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Uh, Dark Knight. That's not it. Is it. Dark Knight. Dark Knight. I always Knight. get it wrong. The Dark Knight. Dark Knight Three. Yeah, the I Dark Knight it's... Three. Yeah, the Master Race, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. And uh, Spider Man. So, um, issue but, five dropped this week. And Spider-Man, a.k.a. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, issue number five dropped this week. We didn't watch, we didn't read these yet. Uh, we will. We have them. We're going to read them. Uh, My it's bad. just we're fucking lazy this week. Also, it's kind of been a nice breather because DC has been dropping so much fucking shit on us over the last couple of weeks as far as stuff that we got to read. Um, this week, there was almost nothing. As far as like rebirth stuff, anything like that, mm-hmm. um, and we kind of stuck our heads up for air for a little bit for this week. But we will read uh, the Civil War two choosing sides issue. Uh, we'll read the Dark Knight three, the Master Race issue five. We'll read Spider Man issue five, uh, and. Uh, there's a ton more rebirth stuff coming out this week, so we're gonna read that too. We got some comic books ahead of us. Um, yeah, you know, which actually it's summer. This works out pretty well. Yeah, uh, we don't have any TV to watch, so we just a little bit of uh, elbow grease, and we can make ourselves read, read the comic books. That's gonna be rough. It does too. Um, uh, for those of you listening at home too, I'm also gonna give you a little bit of homework. I told you to keep Smallville in mind earlier in the episode when we were talking about it. Um. There's a there's a mini series. It was a four issue series. It was written by Jeff Loeb, illustrated by Tim Sale. Uh, it was called Superman for All Seasons, or a Superman for All Seasons. Uh, it was a four issue set. Um, it's readily available. Um, I they got it on Kindle. I'm pretty sure. Uh, which means it's probably available practically anywhere. Yeah, you can find it. Um, you can order it on Amazon. You can order it on... Go on eBay. You can even eBay the original issues and whatnot. Yep. Um, this series is actually the series that the uh, Smallville television series was based on. Um, so it was a four-issue. I think there were 48 pages apiece, so it was a big four issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Jeff Loeb, illustrated by Tim Sale. And they... It, it does set the stage for what became Smallville on the TV screen. Um, so that's your homework for this week. If you want to read comic books, that's that's where I'm saying, you know, go check this out. Uh, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, they also did the uh, Batman Halloween specials 1, 2, and 3, as well as uh, a little mini miniseries uh, or 13-issue series uh, called Long Halloween. You may have heard of it. So... Just a tiny little one of my favorite Batman stories ever. It legitimately is one of the greatest Batman stories ever told. So, yep. Um, Superman for all seasons, or if you you're feeling really froggy about it, read the Long Halloween. Yeah, 
in fact, I, you know, sorry, I haven't read all seasons, but uh, I will say that, like, if you haven't read Long Halloween, like, put that on your reading list right now. Yeah, we're anyway. gonna we're gonna do this uh, on a regular now. So I'm at the end of each episode from here on out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some suggestions as as to what you should read. Uh, not that I'm telling you what to read, but if you listen to the show, you've got a penchant for something that's a little bit nerdy, a little bit superhero, possibly something that wears a cape so uh I'll, I'll give you some suggestions as to where to start and yeah. any anything that i'm going to recommend to you is going to be accessible if you're a legitimate comic book fan already or if you've never read a comic book before i'm going to give you something that is it doesn't matter yeah so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the show for this week. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, you can go on iTunes and give us a rating. Uh, we would love it if you would go search for whatever podcast on iTunes and give us a rating or some feedback. You can follow us on Twitter at whatever show. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash whatever show. We have an email, questions at whatever.co if you're not into all the social medias. I am at Charles E. Smith on Twitter, and Matt is at the brutal one. That's uh, B R E W because we like beer. Um, yeah. He did, you know. Even we even especially. bottled some tonight. We so, did. We, we we yeah. It in was fact, a fun night. In fact, three weeks from tonight, we're gonna crack one of those bad boys. On our the show. show beer is gonna be whatever a red IPA. Nice. All right, folks. Yeah. We will see you next week. Have a week. <laughs>